Well, we're looking at First Peter two this morning. So, but before, yes. So before we get into First Peter two, and we're looking at four, I'm uh, looking at chapter two, four through eight. Um, we're looking at two, four through eight, and let's see. I want to kind of get a running start, and I, I want to ask a question. Which, like, really, first, kind of make an observation, which is that, so we've, we've been through the first chapter of First Peter, where he basically kind of goes back and he, he repeats the, the gospel, and he talks about the, the inheritance that we have, and how God has chosen us, how God has redeemed us, how he has saved us and given us eternal life. And, and so it's this beautiful, really kind of lofty and high thing where we're talking about eternity, we're talking about... Um, a lot of really cool and, and honestly heavy stuff, and, and then we, uh, we 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 get to verse 22, and are you, you guys can put your guitars away if you'd like to, or you can you can continue to hold them whichever way. <laughs> we didn't we didn't talk we, we we just decided at the beginning that we're going to have everybody in the shot. I just realized that y'all might. Um, or, or Scott could strum along, <laughs> strum along very, uh, very emotively behind me to set the mood. <laughs> but, um, but so, so we, we we get to we get to verse twenty-two, chapter one, verse twenty-two. He's talking about the glory of God, giving God glory. And so, what's the application point going to be? Because we always we get to that point where it's like, okay, this is who God is. This is what God's done. And so, what are we going to do about that? And every religion kind of has that point where it's like, okay, this is. This is what's true, this is what's real, and this is what we're going to do about it. And it's so interesting that in verse 22, we see that, okay, so what are we going to do about it? What's, what does this mean for us? And, and the answer is, well, we're supposed to love each other. In verse 22, he says, so you purified your souls by obedience to the truth, so you've obeyed the gospel, you trusted in Jesus, so what do you do? Um, the point of that is a sincere brotherly love, and so now that you've done that, so love one another earnestly from a pure heart because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the abiding and living word of God. So you have this eternal life. What are you supposed to do about it? You're supposed to, you're supposed to love each other earnestly from a, from a pure heart. And so I just want to ask the question, why, why is that? That what we're supposed to do, we've been given eternal life, and what we're supposed to do about that today is to love our families and to love our life groups and to love our coworkers and to love the, our neighbors, the people that we see on, on the street. And, you know, I, I think that we can be kind of, as as Westerners, I think sometimes we hear that and we think, well, that's, I mean, that's just, that's just obvious. Like everybody, we think, well, everybody knows, you know, like everybody knows that the point of life is to try to love people like you want them And I think that we take we take that for we don't realize the extent to which we even in you know even secular people that don't believe in God at all you know they would say well that's, I mean yeah of course that's obvious we didn't but we didn't we didn't like need Jesus to tell us that that's 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 everybody with half a brain kind of knows that unless you're like a, a sociopath or something and and the, the truth is that's just not true B- because um, I have a lot of Asian we're Asians who are Buddhists, and some friends who, who are, are monks, that are, are Buddhist monks. 
and for them, uh, the application point for them, you know, what is, what are you supposed to do in response to what they believe is true about the universe? The answer for them, in many cases, is the the best thing you can do is go shave your head and go meditate in a cave for 30 years. Okay, that's what, and, that's, and, and there's there, there's a significant amount of people who, who think that, okay, your spirituality, your response to it should be, okay, yeah, that's where do you go meet with God, how do you serve God or serve, um, connect with the universe or whatever spirituality people believe in. You know, why is it that our, that for us, what we believe about God pulls us towards each other instead of making us go shave our head and meditate in a cave for 30 years. Because I, I, I know people that have, that, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, I'm friends with, with Buddhist monks that have done it for 30 years, but that's a, a big part of what they do is sit around and try to, try to wrap their mind around the fact that they don't really exist. But that's not what that's not what Jesus tells us to do. Why is it? And it, it's really interesting if you look at verse twenty-three. He, so he says, you know, love each other with a, from a pure heart, earnestly. And basically, his argument is kind of like, you really need to love each other. And then in verse, in, in chapter two, verse one, he says, you need to put away all of the bad stuff, all of the malice, all of the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander. And the reason is, it's basically because we're going to be stuck with each other forever. It, it's kind of, it's kind of the, the point. Like, love each other because you're, you're, you're stuck with each other forever. Because I have eternal life. Scott has eternal life. You know, and so if me and Scott don't get along, you know, that's, well, it, it, we should probably learn how to get along because we're going to be together for, forever. And it's kind of the idea, like, it, it, the, so the first, the beginning of chapter one, one of the most beautiful parts of First Peter is where he talks about the fact that we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance in heaven, which is that we, one, one day when Jesus comes back, we'll get to live with him forever in a place that has no shortage of any anything that we need and is has no evil, has no sickness, has no coronavirus, has no um, has no. Uh, envy or strife or sin or anything that's going to get in the way of us of us living of us enjoying life. So we've been given this inheritance, and so you can kind of think about it like this: like, what if somebody told you, what if somebody told you that, um, okay, so you have a a this relative, this really rich, you know, great great uncle or somebody that ha that owns like this, you know, this absolutely beautiful. Um, lake house just the the most uh, amazing kind of getaway right right off the lake really beautiful super comfortable got all the amenities and everything like that and your great great uncle has has willed this to you so this is your inheritance when your great great uncle dies you're going to get you're gonna this is going to be yours and you can go go and live there and that's you know that that's that's good news but then if somebody told me if this somebody told you well, then your great uncle tells you. Your great great uncle tells you. Then I don't know why I'm worried about whether it's the great uncle or the great great uncle in this hypothetical example. But for whatever reason, then this this person then then tells you. Um, and by the way, there's ten other people who are also inheriting this lake house, and it's really really big. You know, it's plenty of space for all of you, but all of you are inheriting this together. 
and after I die, you're going to get to, to move in, and isn't that exciting? And, you know, that could either be really good news or really bad news. Like, if you hate the people that that you are inheriting this, this, this home with, then that could be really, really bad. On the other hand, if you're family, if you're friends, if you love each other, if you put away all of the malice and love each other earnestly with a, from a pure heart, that could be even better. Because now you're not just by yourself in this awesome lake house, you're with a group of, of friends and family that are enjoying this, this together. And that's kind of what Peter is telling us. He's saying that we have this incredible inheritance uh, that we've been given from God, and the our brothers and sisters around us, all around the world, they have inherited this too. And so it's very important that we love each other because we have this inheritance that we ha are sharing together, this eternal life, that we're quote-unquote stuck with each other for, for all of eternity. And so with that in mind, that so, so the, really the question moving forward is it's very easy for us as, as Christians to ask the question, what is God doing with me? What, what is God's will for my life? What is God, you know, um, or, or, or how is God helping me be a better person? How is God, you know, what's going to happen to me after I die? And that's, those are completely legitimate questions. But I think Peter is inviting us to ask a slightly different question, which is, it's not just about me. Um, I can't be excluded from it, but, but it's not just about me, it's about, it's about us. It's about the family of people who have all accepted Jesus, who have all accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so what is God doing, not just in my life, but in our lives? And what is this going to look like a thousand years from now, a million years from now? Not just for, for me, you know, what's, what, what am I going to be like then um, in, in God's kingdom? But, but what's it going to look like? What's my relationship with Scott going to look like a thousand years from now when we're together in God's, in God's family? And so that's kind of the question, not just my relationship with Scott, but the question of what, what, is, what is God doing with, with us? And, and what's that going to look like going forward that I want us to kind of keep in mind as we, as we look at this passage for today? So I'm just going to read, um, yeah, I'll just continue reading uh, in, in chapter two, and then we'll kind of, the, the specific text we're looking at today is 4 through 8. So he says, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, and like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Okay, this is, this is, this is the, the passage we're focusing on today. And then in verse 4 he says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men in the sight of God, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to, a, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the, the honors, this thing that we're talking about, the spiritual house and the inheritance and, and, and everything that goes along with, with what Peter's saying is our is what we're supposed to be hoping in, that we're going to get when Jesus comes back. So the honor is for you who believe, believe in Jesus, but for those who don't believe, 
it, it looks different. In that case, the stone that the builders rejected has become the, the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of, of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So, so the whole idea of the cornerstone here is that Jesus is what your life looks like eternally completely depends on, on, on Jesus. That if we believe in Jesus and we trust in Jesus, then he becomes the cornerstone of this spiritual house, which we're going to talk about what that means in a second. This, this wonderful spiritual house that, he's, that, that we become a part of with him. But if we don't believe, then um, not only do we not get to be a part of this spiritual house, but, but it's a, it says it's a, it's a, a stone of stumbling. Like it, it's something that, that doesn't just not build you up, it trips you up. And so you fall down and you stumble and then you crash and burn and, and your life is a, is, is a, total, is a total ruin. So, so here in verse 4, this is really interesting. Peter says that he, he's using this metaphor to talk about what we're like and what we're like in relation to each other. And he says, you, as you come to him like a living stone. So he says we're like a stone that has life. So we're like a, like a stone. And the stone is rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So people don't always get us as Christians. Sometimes in certain cultures and certain periods of history, we experience that more poignantly than others, where there's there's persecution. You know, maybe for us today, it's just like maybe sometimes people think that we're that we're bigoted because we believe and that that God has certain standards of morality. You know, in other parts of the world or other times in history, maybe it's that people are are literally being kicked out of their house or being disowned or even even kind of physically attacked because of their faith. But to various different ways, you know, people kind of think we're, we're strange or, or, or we, we don't fit in completely. Um, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, we're chosen and, and precious. It's the, this whole idea of the elect exiles that we talked about at the very beginning. So we're come to him like this, this spiritual stone. Um, and... What Peter wants us to think about this as is that we that, that this is a we're one piece and so there's this kind of there's a stone house and we I'm one I'm one piece I'm one stone in this house and Scott's one stone in this house and and uh, and Matt's one stone in, in, in this house and we're all being built up together into this into the spiritual house. Um, and, and so we're built up into a spiritual house. Now, now, what is a what is a spiritual house? A spiritual house. The this is talking about the temple of the Lord. Is what Peter wants us to think here. And what, what's really cool, by the way, this is kind of a side note, that Peter is writing mainly to Gentiles. He's writing mainly to Gentiles. And so these are people who, it, these are people that um, that that don't have the same history as the Jewish people. The Jewish people, they know about the temple. They have all this language. They, they know, um, they have different uh, ideas about the kingdom of God. They're, they're somewhat familiar with the prophets and, and with the law, with the, with the Hebrew Bible, with the Old Testament. But what Peter's doing here that's really cool is he's taking the blessings that apply to God's people, which is to the, the Israelites, which is, which is the, 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 the Jewish people, and he's saying that the that Gentiles who believe in Jesus, yes, the, yes so, so Gentiles that believe in Jesus get to be a part of God's family and get to share in the blessings of God's family 
just as much as just as wonderfully as as the, the the Jewish people do who were originally chosen. And in the same way, if you want to flip that around, the Jewish people who don't believe, they also stumble over the stumbling rock. And so they end up being just as lost and just as as cursed as Gentiles who are pagan and worship Aphrodite or, or, or whatever. Um, so he's taking these very Jewish kind of promises and blessings and he, he's telling these Gentile believers, he's saying, hey, you, you guys are part of the family and you're not the redheaded stepchild of the family. You are spirit, we're all spiritual stones that are being, it's not like we're the stones and you're like the, you know, you're like the, the porcelain on the bathroom or something like that. It's like we're all spiritual stones that are being built up together to be part of a spiritual house. So a, a spiritual house, the, the idea behind this, and, you know, we think about in the Psalms, like when David says, you know, I was glad when they said to me, um, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, so he calls it the house of the Lord. And in that context, David's talking about he's going up to, 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 to pray or to worship in, in the temple. Um, you know, when Jesus, he, when, he, when he clears the temple um, in, in the Gospels, when he sees all the money changers and the people that are ripping people off, um, he, he says, you know, that it's written, like, my, God, God says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people, but you've turned it into a, to a, a den of robbers. So, so this idea of the, the house of the Lord is, is referring to the, the temple. And so when, when Peter says that we're being built up into a spiritual house, what he means is that we're we're a part of the that we're, we're a part of of the temple of the spiritual temple that God is 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 building. Um, so the whole idea behind the temple, and this goes back. I mean, this is one of the most sacred ideas in 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 the Bible. Is this idea that God he creates the world, and God is he's distinct from creation, so he's not. You know, he, he, God is not a tree or a bush or something like that, but God creates the world, but then he lives in the world that he created with his, his people. And in, in Genesis, in the very beginning of Genesis, we, we hear about God walking in the garden. He's walking in the garden and he's having conversations with, with Adam and Eve. So God, God not only wants us to be doing our thing and to, to kind of, be living a good life and have everything kind of under control on the earth. He wants to be with us. He wants to be living with us, just like, just like a, a, a bride and a groom, or just like a father and a son, or just like a mother and, and a daughter. He wants to live with us in, in the same place. And, and so there's a very, very key point in, in Exodus where um, God's people have been, they've been, uh, they've been released from slavery, they've been rescued, they've been saved from Egypt, and God takes them out into the, the wilderness to, to Mount Sinai, and, um, and he tells them, he tells them to build a tent, a tent that, you know, it's, ironically, we have a tent that's right over here, outside here, that we've been meeting under, um, but he tells them to, to make, to, to build a tent. Um, and it was it's a tent that was that's significantly smaller than the tent that we've been meeting under, and he gives them all these instructions about how it's supposed to, to look and um, the different rooms in it, and, and, and the tent was called a meeting place. It was, it was called a, a meeting place or, or a tent of meeting, 
and we hear that and we think, oh, this is a, a, a meeting place where, you know, if there's some type of discussion that needs to be had, the elders kind of gather here and they meet and they discuss and they decide, you know, what type of traffic lights they're going to have or, or, or something like that. But that's not, it, it's not a meeting place for, for people to meet with people. It's a place for people to come and meet with God. Because at the end of, of Exodus, what we see is that, that the glory of God, and God had been up on this mountain, uh, and it was, there's fire and lightning and thunder and smoke and just this, this terrific, glorious um, you know, uh, thing that, that was God's presence. God's presence moves from the top of the mountain, and it moves down into onto the tent in, into into the tent and so God is is living he's he's camping out with his people God's tent is right here and their tents are are, are around it so God is living he wants to be with his people and and so then you fast forward a few hundred years um, when uh, when David and Solomon comes along they they build this incredibly ornate and beautiful, um, stone structure that becomes the, the 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 meeting place, which is was called the tabernacle when it was a tent, and now it's called the um, now it's called the the temple. And, and so this is where this is where the people would come to meet with God. This is where they'd offer their sacrifices, um, everything like that. And I want to so so basically the, the the temple becomes if you want to kind of sum up what the temple is. The temple, I would say, it, it's two things. It, it's number one, it's where God meets with His people, and God lives and God lives with His people. He meets with His people there. And second of all, this is the the temple is kind of God's um, operations base for blessing the entire world. It, it's his, It's where He meets with His people, and it's also His headquarters for for helping his people be a blessing to to everybody else, to all the nations in the entire world. That's what the temple is. So I want to, um, so we talked about, you know, you have the tabernacle, and then you have, um, you have Solomon builds the, the temple. A and I want to fast forward then to, to Jesus this time. And I I'm going to go to, you can turn there if you want, or you can just, just listen um, to, to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. And so, so this is a, and we have to remember so, that this is Peter who's writing this. And Peter was a fisherman from, from Galilee, which was not, it was kind of the podunk, you know, region of, of Israel. And, and Peter, who's writing this letter of 1 Peter that we're, that, that, that we're studying together, um, he he followed Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He you know he slept in the same place with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He traveled with Jesus. Um, and, and he also, when Jesus starts uh, his when he when he comes from Galilee down south to to Jerusalem for Passover, where he's ultimately crucified, um, Peter is also with him. So Peter is with Jesus when Jesus is turning over tables in, in the temple. And Peter was also with Jesus in when this happens, what we're about to look at in Mark 13, verse 1. And remember, these are these are kind of, you know, these are our, our country boys from, from you know, middle of nowhere, Galilee. 
and, and they've come to the the big city, the you know the cultural center, the place that they've heard about. Um, they've come to Jerusalem. They've come to the most important part of Jerusalem, which is which is the temple, and the disciples, including Peter, they are really blown away. They are really awestruck by this temple, and look what look what happens in in Mark thirteen verse one. So, and as he came out of the temple, so they're in the temple, and as they come out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, we don't know who it was, this honestly sounds kind of like the type of thing that Peter would say, but, um, you know, we don't know, so maybe it was Peter, but Peter was most likely there. One of his disciples says to him, they say, look, teacher, and look at what it says, he's just looking at the temple, he says, look at these wonderful stones. Remember, what it just... What did Peter just say we are? He said, we're spiritual stones. They look at the temple and he says, wow, look at these wonderful stones. And look at these wonderful buildings. He's just, I mean, man, there's nothing like this back in, back, back in Galilee. And then Jesus says to him, he says, you see these buildings? You see this, this temple with you know, these big stones? And he says, do you see, do you, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay, so, so, so they're so impressed by this temple, and Jesus says, guys, this is not the point. One day, this temple with these big stones that you're so impressed by, it's going to get destroyed. Which, by the way, you know, about 35 years after Jesus said this, it did get destroyed. It got destroyed for, for good. That not only, you know, that, that, that there won't be one stone left on top of another stone. Because it's just going to get absolutely demolished. That's what Jesus says. And so imagine Peter who had that experience. Um, Peter who, whose nickname, Jesus called him, was the, the rock, which is kind of a whole other rabbit trail. Different, different word in, in, the, in the original language, but it's, it's, it's still very interesting that Peter... You know, Peter the Rock, who's, oh, look at all these stones, that he's the one who's saying, you guys are coming to him like spiritual stones. So let's look back at 1 Peter 2. It says, you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Okay, so God is building a temple. He's building a temple, which is a place where he is going to meet with his people and live with his people, and also is going to be his his headquarters for being a blessing to all the nations. But what is that? But how is he building that temple? And what is that temple going to look like? It's going to look like, like, like us. It's, he's he's building a temple out of people, where he is going to dwell. With us, and, and we know even even more, he's going to not only be with us, like, hey, God's right here, he's going to be inside of us, because we have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And what are we going to do? Um, we're going to be a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So he says, we are, we're being built up to be a, 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 a temple, the real temple, the etern- not the temple that's going to get, you know, leveled, not one stone left on top of the other, but, but the, the eternal temple that can't perish or fade or be demolished or is kept in heaven for, is kept in heaven with God. 
well, we're going to be built into this temple where, where we can meet with God and we will offer, we will be uh, to, to be a holy priesthood. Okay, so priests are the people that after they built the tabernacle and the temple, the priests were the ones that worked inside the temple. And basically a priest's job is to kind of, it's kind of to be a, a mediator. That as a priest, you're, you're, the, you're the go-between. A priest is somebody who, who essentially talks to God on behalf of people. So the priest kind of, you know, comes before God and says, God, we've sinned, you know, we're really sorry, um, please forgive us. Or, you know, God, please help us, give us wisdom. Um, they talk to God on behalf of the people and would also talk to the people on behalf of God. Would, you know, coming and, and, and meeting with God and offering the sacrifice and, and praying on behalf of the people and then coming back to the, the, the to God's people and saying, guys, God, God forgives you. This is what God says in, in his word. We need to trust God. We need to obey God. This is the next step that God has for us. So a priest is somebody who talks to God on behalf of the people and talks to people on behalf of God. So that's what we should be doing. We're not only the temple, the structure, we're the, 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 the priests whose job it is to be, to be communicating with each other on behalf of God. So, so, so when I'm discouraged or when I'm depressed or when I'm having doubts in my faith, Matt can come along and speak on behalf of God to me and say, Ryan, remember God's promises. Don't put your hope in what's happening right now. Put your hope in, 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 in God. Put your hope fully in the grace that's going to be delivered to you at the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. And the same way, when Matt knows that I'm struggling, he can speak to God on my behalf. He can come to God and say, God, Ryan really needs you. You know, please help him. I know he's He's not doing well right now, but please help him, you know, be good to him. Please, please strengthen him, whatever. And we can do the same thing um, to people that don't know the Lord, too, which is kind of a little bit more of what the passage that Matt's going to talk about next week talks about, how we can be a light to, to all the nations. So, so we're, we're, we're the temple, we're the priests, and we're also the sacrifice. So we are, we are we're built, we built up in a spiritual house, off, uh, holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices. What is our, what is our, in the Bible, what does God tell us is our spiritual act of worship? What does God say? He says, and this is kind of another transition point in, in Romans 12, 1, when again, when Paul's kind of gone through, not Peter this time, but Paul has gone through the whole, kind of all the glorious stuff about the gospel, and he says, okay, what should you do on Monday morning? And he says in, in Romans 12, 1, he says, So, in view of the mercies of God, you should give your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to him. And, and this is your spiritual act of worship. So, we, 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 we are the place where we meet with God. We are the people who talk with God on behalf of others and others on behalf of God. And we also are, well, we're not only the people offering the sacrifices, we, well, we are the people offering the sacrifices, but the sacrifices we're offering are not, you know, my animal, but it's, it's, it's my body. It's my mind, and it's my heart, and it's my, my hands, and it's, it's what I do with my money. It's what I say with my mouth. It's what I sing with my voice. It's, um, it, it's the way 
I love my wife and it's the way I treat my kids and it's the way I, I treat my life group. Um, so, yeah, just to, in, in closing, I know we've kind of gone, gone long, but, but just in, in closing, three, three things to think about. Um, I get, yeah, th three things to think about. Re really two things to think about. What was two things to think about. Um, w number one is that we, we've seen today in this passage that God is, that God is building. We, we've seen what, we've seen what God is building. That, that God has, God is a project manager and he has a construction project. And what God is building is a community of people. He's building a community of people who are going to reflect him to, to the outside world. And so I just want to ask us, us the question, really ask myself and, and, and encourage all of us to think about it. What are, what are you building? What are you investing? If we're all kind of, in one sense or another, project managers of, of something in our life, whether it's we're trying to create a certain type of family or we're trying to, you know, hobbies or, or, or whatever. You know, when you think about yourself, what is your, what's your, the project that you care most about? You know, is it that you're trying to build up your career? Is it that you're trying to build up your bank account? Is it that you're trying to be really good at a particular hobby? Um, is it the way you look? I mean, what, what is it? Because we know that God is, is building up a community of people that's going to be a temple for, for him. And it makes me think about, um, you know, this Tuesday, uh, Scott and I, and then um, uh, Cameron Wellborn and the Dingle Dimes and the Longs, we were at, we were at Life Group. And this is going to be a shameless plug for Life Group. And, and uh, so we were at Life Group, and we have, I mean, I, we have a lot of kids between, between all of us, everybody except for Cameron. And uh, we, you know, we were at the Long's um, back porch, and, I mean, kids are just running all over the place, and babies are crying, and, you know, people, kids are scraping knees, and, you know, snot is, snot is being sniffled, and, and all this stuff, um, and, and I remember, like, uh, Liam, the Dingle Dines, um, the Dingle Dines youngest child, he, he kept on, like, kind of going up to Cameron's shoe and looking at it, and, and you know, God bless Steve, he was, he was trying to lead us in the midst of all this chaos. He was trying to lead us in a discussion about the Bible. And it's, a, it's you know, I'm sitting there and just, you know, kids sitting on laps. You know, people, like, we're trying to study the Bible. Kids running around, kids on the swing. And it just makes, I'm sitting there and just thinking, this is what the temple of God looks like. This is what the temple of God looks like. You, when you want to meet with God, when you want to experience God or when you want to serve God, you, you, you don't go shave your head and put on a tunic and go meditate in a cave for 30 years. You, you go to the Long's back porch and you, you eat cookies and you try to talk about the Bible while your kids are screaming on the playground. That, that, that's, this, is, this is the temple. This is, where, this is what God is investing in. And so for us to, what, what, we want our lives to be about investing in people, not in some other type of, of project, whatever, whatever that looks like. Because the truth is, 
you know, if, if, if our life is about our dream home or, or if, we're, if our project is uh, whatever it is, there's going to be a day, even if it's my, if it's me, if it's my, you know, physical fitness or, or, or my career or whatever, there's going to be a day when your dream home or your body or whatever, where there's, it's going to get demolished and there's not going to be one single stone left standing on top of another stone. But what was happening on the Long's back porch, you know, on Tuesday night, that, that's going to last for forever. And it's going to get better, and hopefully we'll have less and less screaming. But, 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 but that's, that's going to last for, for, for forever. That, that's eternal. That has eternal value. And the second thing, and then I'll close, um, let's talk to each other on behalf of God and talk to God on behalf of each other. So encouraging each other, taking what the Bible says and, and, and sharing it with each other and saying, hey, this is something God laid on my heart for you. Um, think about this. This is, this, is, this is the word I think that God wants to say to you today that's from, that's from the Bible. And then also talking to God on behalf of people. If you know people, you know, honestly, maybe people that annoy you, maybe people that it frustrates you, people in your life group or in your family or in your church, it's just they're, they're so, you know, they're, they're so immature or they're so whatever. Talk to God. Don't just, we, we tend to talk to ourselves. We tend to kind of have this internal conversation. and we, we brood, don't, don't just talk to yourself about them or, you know, definitely don't go and gossip about them with somebody else. Talk to God about them and say, God, please bless my brother or God, please bless my sister. Um, help them to grow and mature in this way. Um, so, yeah, let me pray and then uh, we're going to have another song. God, uh, thank you for being with us this morning. Um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for yeah, thank you for living with us. Um, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are at home right now. God, please keep us safe. Help us to make wise decisions during the pandemic. We pray for people who are sick right now that you would that you would heal them. And I, I pray that if anybody's in the hospital or anybody's situation is dire, that that you would put Christians around them to be able to be priests to speak to them on behalf of you and tell them about, about what you're doing and the inheritance that they have a chance to be a part of. Um, so we love you, God. And please, thank you for building us up. Please, please don't stop building us up into a place where you are pleased to dwell. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.